listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast again this week. So glad that you're listening again. I really appreciate it. And uh, before we jump in today, let me just say again, I really, really appreciate those of you that are taking time to rate the podcast on iTunes or leave a review. It means a lot to me. If you haven't done that yet, I want to ask you and encourage you to please uh, rate us on iTunes, rate the podcast or leave a review if you've got time to do that. It means a lot to me and I want to say thank you. Helps us get the podcast out to more and more people. And so I say thanks in advance. Today, I want to talk to you about something that is what I believe one of the most important things things that you could do in your Christian life. In fact, as a younger minister, uh, and I'm still young, but and as I was very young, I had the idea that whenever I met uh, a powerful man of God, somebody who had shaken their nation or even internationally had done amazing things for the kingdom of God, I made up my mind that if I was ever going to get a chance to speak to somebody like that, that I was going to ask them one question. And the question that I would ask to every one of those people was this. I would say, listen, I wanted to ask you if you could go back in time and speak to the 30-year-old you, what would you tell the 30-year-old version of yourself if you could only tell them one thing. And I asked that question to so many powerful men and women of God. And do you know, one of the things that's even more interesting than that is that almost all of them gave me the same answer. That's so amazing to me. And obviously it shouldn't surprise me because anybody that does great things for God Uh, many of them have the exact same mindset as you can see by the answer. And I'm going to do this episode of the podcast on the answer that I most frequently got from all of those powerful men and women of God. And this is what they told me. This is what they said. They said, if I could say one thing to the 30 year old version of myself, I would say carefully seek the Lord and get his direction for your life. And when he gives you the direction for your life, only do the thing that he has called you to do. Don't stray from that. Don't deviate from that path. Do that and only that for the rest of your life. And of course, we'll get into a little bit about why that's the case and why that that's so important. But let me start by reading to you a verse of scripture that's found in uh, Psalm 37 and verse 23. The Bible says that the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord and he delights in his way. The steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord and he delights in his way. So anybody who is considered to be 
a son of God or a righteous person, the Bible tells us very clearly, even in the Old Testament, that their steps are ordered of the Lord, that we don't choose what we want to do with our life. God chooses and ultimately has chosen. He has a plan for every one of our lives. He has a purpose for every one of our lives. So we don't choose what we want to be. God chose that and he gives us a gift and he gives us a calling and he gives us a purpose, but then it's our responsibility to discover what our calling, what our purpose and what our gift is. And that's why, you know, you've heard me say in previous podcasts that, you know, no Christian parent should ever say to their child, you can be anything you want to be when you grow up. You can do anything that you set your mind to because that's not the case. As disciples of Christ, our steps are ordered of the Lord and we are required to uh, figure out what God's called us to do and do only that. In the New Testament, Paul writes to the Romans and he says this in Romans chapter 8 and verse 14, all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. You could say that the other way, that the sons of God are required to be led by the Spirit of God. I want to give you just a couple of ideas as we're talking about this subject today, because once again, from the answers that I've gotten from world changers, I mean, people that have shaken nations uh, and, and other nations, many nations for the kingdom of God, they have all come across this thought process for their life. Find out what you're called to do and only do that for the rest of your life. And uh, it's very interesting. Even Bishop David Oyedepo, pastor of the largest church in the world, uh, says often, he says that if you'll only operate as commanded, then you'll never be stranded. If you'll only operate as commanded, you will never be stranded. So only doing what God tells you to do and nothing else. If you'll live like that, you'll never find yourself in a place where things are not working out. You're not going to find yourself in a place where you're struggling and can't pay the bills. God always pays for what he orders. God always pays for what he orders. It's when we decide to do things that God never told us to do that we are required to pay the bill. But when we do what God ordered, then God pays the bill. And that's what's so powerful about hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit, being led by the Spirit, and only doing what God called us to do. You know, in the book of Psalms uh, 127 and verse 1, the Bible says this, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. See, let me read that again. Unless the Lord builds the house, they are laboring in vain that build it. And unless the Lord is guarding the city, the watchmen are watching in vain. So what the Bible's trying to get across to us there is that unless we're operating according to God's plans, everything we're doing is for nothing. That we've got to locate God's plans for our lives and then pursue only that. You know, it's surprising to me how many people 
in the body of Christ today that call themselves Holy Ghost filled Christians and they believe that the Holy Spirit was sent to lead us and to guide us into all truth. But when they make decisions for their life, you know, I'm, I'm talking about big life decisions. They never consult the Holy Spirit. It really blows my mind that people will make decisions without ever praying, without ever fasting, without ever seeking God. I'm talking about decisions that change people's lives. I mean, people will decide what college to go to without ever asking the Holy Spirit where they're called to go. People will choose career paths without ever asking the Holy Spirit what he has called them to do. And let me just say, that's one of the reasons I believe that we have so many Christian Holy Ghost filled students that go to college and end up having to change their major two, three, four times, end up, you know, racking up all kinds of student loan debt because they've been trying to figure out what they're supposed to be doing. Well, the reason they're in confusion is because they've never asked the Lord what he wants for their life. And we make these massive life decisions and never consult the Holy Spirit. You know, we we choose who we're going to have a relationship with. We choose who we're going to get engaged to and then ultimately marry, never consulting the Lord. We choose all these things, our career path and where we're going to buy a house and where we're going to live. And people just never choose to consult the Holy Spirit. And it's a massive mistake. Do you realize that the divorce rate in the church is about at the same percentage as the divorce rate in the world? That's unbelievable. It should never be the case. God will lead you and guide you into making perfect decisions. And I just want to share with you uh, in my life that throughout my life, every major life decision that I've made has been made by consulting the Holy Spirit first. And all the way back to, you know, when I was called into the ministry at the age of five years old, you know, I was up in Northern Maine at a church service at a revival that my father was preaching. And uh, every night I noticed that, you know, men and women went to the altar uh, and were praying around the altar. And one night I looked up at my mom, we were sitting in the pew. I said, mom, are we going to go down to the altar tonight and pray again? See, the Holy Spirit was pulling me uh, toward the altar. Even in that night at five years old, you say, can you really hear the voice of the Holy Spirit at five years old? Of course you can. Of course you can. And my mom said, no, uh, we're not going to go down right now. But if you feel to go down, then you can go ahead and go to the altar. And at five years old, I got out of my seat in that church in Maine and I walked down to the altar. And as I was there, the pastor of that church, who was an old time Pentecostal man and pastor, he knew immediately what the Holy Spirit was doing uh, in on the inside of me and in my life. And he sat down on the side of the platform and called me over and sat me on his knee and explained to the people that were at the revival that God was calling me into the ministry at the young age of five years old. And I knew from that day forward for the rest of my life that God had delivered to me my purpose before I ever, you know, I was five, you know, I couldn't tie my shoes, but I knew what my life purpose was, what was going to be the Holy Spirit will speak to you no matter what age you are if you're open to listen to his voice. Then when I ended up going to high school, 
I had pretty much already decided, you know, what I was going to do. Didn't pray. I hadn't prayed about it, but I had already much made up, pretty much made up my mind, you know, where I was going to go to Bible school. You know, my, my cousin, Jonathan, who to this day is like my best friend. He's like my brother. Uh, even though we're cousins, it's more like we're brothers. And I had made up my mind. I was going to go to the college that he went to. He was already there being two, two years ahead of me in school. I was a, a, a senior uh, in, in high school and he was already a sophomore in Bible college. And uh, I made up my mind as soon as I leave high school, I'm moving up to New England and I'm going to attend Zion Bible uh, College and, uh, and room with my cousin. And, you know, I had this whole plan in my mind, you know, I was going to spend time there and have fun with him and hang out and get ready to do ministry together and all this stuff. And, uh, I came home one day and my dad put a pamphlet on the table for another Bible school. And it was Rama Bible, Bible training center in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And, uh, my dad said, Hey, take a look at this. I got some of this paperwork. I got some of this, uh, this brochure and some of this uh, different materials from the school. And I almost said kind of like, uh, dismissively, I was like, you know, dad, I don't need to look at that. I already know where I'm going to go. I'm going to go where the rest of our family went, where my grandfather went, my grandmother, all my uncles, my dad, my mom. I said, I'm going where Jonathan's at. We're going to go. I'm going to go to Bible school at Zion. And my dad said, well, it wouldn't hurt to pray about it, would it? And that was a very interesting statement and something that I should have been doing uh, far before that moment. But I said, you know, no, it wouldn't hurt to pray about it. And so I took that literature and took it to school that day and I carried it around with me all day long. The, uh, the pamphlet for the Bible, the pamphlet for the Bible school and all that stuff. And as I'm walking the halls of my high school, I'm just kind of praying in the Holy Spirit uh, to myself and asking the Lord for guidance and what he would have me to do. And do you know, almost immediately, as soon as I began to pray and ask the Holy Spirit what I was supposed to do, that God said, yes, this is the Bible school that you're supposed to attend. And it's not Zion. And uh, I went home, literally tore up my application because I'd already filled it out. And I, I wrote a new application for this school, Rama Bible Training Center. And uh, in a little less than a year, I was on my way uh, to school in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And it was amazing all the things God did by confirmation. I got to meet so many wonderful men of God out there. I got to meet uh, T.L. Osborne, and I got to meet Brother Hagin, and uh, you know they laid hands on me. These are opportunities I would not have had uh, had I not followed the voice of the Holy Spirit. But the, those men later, uh, you know, shortly thereafter, passed away, went home to be with the Lord, uh, and it was just an amazing thing, one after the other, as uh, God confirmed His Word. I got out there to Bible school almost immediately. I was putting in applications uh, for uh, jobs in the mall at the Woodland Hills Mall in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I was up in the suits department, and I was getting ready to drop some applications. When out of the suit store comes T.L. Osborne, one of the greatest evangelists to have ever lived. Hold, This is a man who held mass crusades uh, in over 70 nations of the world, and I'm talking about with a sea of people as far as you can see in the distance. Just amazing uh, to see what God did through his life. And he came over and right there 
next to the food court in the mall. He told me to lift up my hands, and one of the greatest men in the uh, men of God in the history of the world laid his hands upon me, imparted the anointing into me. The same with Brother Hagin as I was there at Bible school. One thing after another that God continued to do. Well, it was uh, it was my I graduated from Bible school and uh, I was working and I was traveling some, and it was time to make the next life decision. And uh, I went back out to Rama for the February Winter Bible Seminar in 2003, and I just began to fast and pray. I said, God, what's the next step? Now, I knew that I had been called to be an evangelist. I knew that. I've known it since I was five years old. But as I was praying and as I was fasting, I heard the Lord speak to me very clearly that I was to move to Virginia Beach, Virginia to help my uncle plant the church there in Virginia Beach. Now, at first, that was kind of a confusing thing to me because I was not called to be a pastor. Uh, I was not called to do any of those other uh, things or step into any of those other roles of ministry gifts, but the Lord clearly spoke to me. And even though I was called to be an evangelist, he was calling me in that moment to go and to help plant that church in Virginia Beach. Well, I obeyed the voice of the Lord and uh, by June of 2003, just a few months after that Winter Bible Seminar in February, I packed up everything I owned, which could all be fit in, you know, a very small backpack at the time, and moved down to Virginia Beach and uh, began to help plant the church and, and see the church grow. But it was there. See, I want you to see what God did for me. It was there shortly after that I was leading praise and worship there in the church. As, as I'm standing there leading praise and worship, in walks this beautiful, beautiful girl. I mean, gorgeous. The doors opened in the back. If you've ever heard me tell the story, for me on the keyboard, it was like watching a supermodel walk in in slow motion with her hair blowing in the wind. Doves flew out from behind her. Angels began to sing as my future wife, Carolyn, walked into the sanctuary that day. And uh, I was completely uh, blown away when I saw her. And she came in and sat with a couple in the church that turned out to be her parents. And the next week I came up and began to talk to them and they said, yeah, that was our daughter and we wanted you to meet her and all that. She finally moves up. Now watch, let me show you something. She had no desire to move to Virginia beach. She was living in Florida at the time going to college. And when she came up uh, to Virginia beach, another time, a second time and came to one of the church services my uncle, Pastor Terry Shuttlesworth, called her out in that service and gave her a word, a prophetic word in the service, and she was crying and the power of God hit her, and the Lord spoke to her, and she moved just like I did. The Lord spoke to her. She was led by the Spirit, and she left college in Florida and moved up to Virginia Beach and began to attend the church there. And as we were attending church together, you know, I, I I began to like her more and more. I mean, I kind of had this feeling she was the one for me, but I wasn't going to just chance it. I, kn I understood how big of a deal relationships are. And on Easter, the Easter weekend of 2005, I made the decision. 
I said, I am going to fast and pray for three days because I don't want to play games. I'm not messing around. If she's the one for me, Lord, I want to hear your voice. I want you to speak to me and tell me because when I get the green light, I am going to pursue this relationship uh, full blast. I mean, I'm not going to hold back. And so from Good Friday, uh, 2005 until uh, Easter Sunday night, it was actually late afternoon. I fasted and I prayed and I sought the face of God. I said, God, give me direction. If she's the one, let me know. If she's not, let me know. I'll leave it alone. But if she is the one, then I'm going to go after her with all my heart. And on that Easter Sunday afternoon, probably around 4 o'clock p.m., I heard the Holy Spirit tell me, yes, she is the one for you. And uh, as soon as I heard that, I mean, people say, can you really hear something that clearly from the Lord? Yes. Contrary to popular belief or what this world is now saying, yes, you don't have mental problems if Jesus speaks back to you. You're not, you're not crazy if the Lord speaks to you. That's what prayer is. Prayer is an interactive experience. It's not just you talking to God. It's God talking to you. And so when God gave me the green light, I didn't wait another second. I called her up immediately and she was at work. I said, what time do you get off work? I'm going to come pick you up. I want to take you out on a date tonight. It was our first official date. And she told me what time she got off work. And I said, perfect. I'm going to be there. And uh, I, I made sure I went. I got some flowers and stuff. And I went and I'm waiting there for her. She was a waitress at the time. So she came out of work still in her waitress outfit and had the you know apron and everything like that. And she's like, well, are you going to take me home to change? I was like, no, we are not wasting one second changing or any of that. I said, we're going right now on this date. And uh, we went out that night. Now, here's what's funny. Because of the fact that I had heard clearly from the Holy Spirit, I knew in my heart that she was the one for me. So I had no fear uh, of the fact that our relationship would not work. I was so confident in what I had heard the Lord say to me that on that first date with my future wife, I said all the things that you should never say to a girl on the first date. <laughs> I said every single thing that you should never say. I told her, I mean, when the movie was done, or we had, I can't even remember, we did a movie. I think we went to IHOP. It was the only thing open late. And uh, what, a, what a ritzy first date. Take you to IHOP. You can get anything you want on the menu. Just make sure it's under $5. And so we were, we were at IHOP. We stayed there for a long time talking. And then I had to drive her home. And uh, in the car, the final final moments of our date, I told her all the things <laughs> that you should never, ever say on a first date. I told her I loved her. I told her I was in love with her. I told her that I believed we were going to be married. I told her we'd have, we were going to have a family together, children, minister together. All the things that would usually make a girl never call you again and get a restraining order and buy a pit bull. <laughs> that was all, all the things were said in one night. And you know, when I got done saying all of those things to Carolyn in the car on that first date, she just looked at me and you know what she said? She said, I know, I 
No, because not only had the Holy Spirit spoken to me, the Holy Spirit had spoken to her and she was led by the Spirit just as much as I was led by the Spirit and God connected us on that day and it's been the most wonderful relationship. It's been a hitch-free relationship because when God puts people together, he always puts the right people together. If you're led by the Spirit, uh, it's always the best that God's leading you into. It's never mediocre. It's never the worst. It's always the best. And then we, we continued on after we had gotten married, serving at the church, until I felt something else in my spirit. I felt a transition coming. And I knew that something was getting ready to change. I knew that I wasn't going to be staying at the church. And I felt, you know, and I, and I knew that God was getting ready to transition to me in what he had called me to do at five years old, which is to evangelize and to travel and preach the gospel, see souls saved and people healed. So once again, I began to fast and pray to get the proper direction. Because let me tell you, it's not just direction that's important. Timing is important. Timing. Timing is just as important as direction. It's not about just doing what God's called you to do. You want to do it in the right timing. You don't want to be trying to do what God's called you to do 30 years from now, now, because you've not matured to that place yet and you'll just get frustrated. So it's not just important to know the direction of God. It's important to know the timing of God. And I knew, even though I had been called all those years before, to be an evangelist. God was now sending me out to do the work that he had called me to do. And after I'd fasted and prayed, the Lord gave me the green light. And it was not long from then that we began to travel and doors supernaturally began to open. Now, let me tell you how supernatural that has to be because if you're not somebody that's traveling full-time, and, and, and keeping a full schedule, then if you're just on staff at a church and, and nobody knows that you're even available for bookings or to call you in to, to preach at their church, it has to be supernatural for God to start opening doors for you. But see, when you obey the voice of the Lord, that's one of the things God will do is open doors for you supernaturally. In fact, the Bible says Jesus holds in his hand what the book of Revelation calls the key of David. And when he opens doors, no man can shut them. And when he shuts doors, no man can open them. And so that's what God was doing for me was opening doors because it was supernatural that after all those years, I believe eight or nine years, full time on staff at the church, that doors just began to open in the transition. And that was God doing that to take me to the next place. And I began to travel and I'm still traveling today. And God's continued to open doors and it's continued to grow because the Lord's building the house. It's not me forcing these things. It's the Lord that continues to open the doors. Well, just a couple of years ago, I was driving by myself from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania to Rochester, New York. And I made up my, my mind. I said, you know, on this drive, I'm not going to listen to music. I'm not going to listen to podcasts. I'm not going to uh, put a, anything on. In this entire drive, I'm just going to pray in the Holy Ghost and hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Now, listen, I was not necessarily expecting God to give me another transition. But in 2015, I began to pray. This was toward the end of the year. This was in the fall. And do you know, 
almost immediately as I began to drive and pray, the Lord began to speak to me once again about another life change. And as I'm driving, I hear the Lord instruct me that it's time to move from Virginia Beach and move to South Florida down to the Fort Lauderdale area, which is where I currently live, which had to be the Lord because number one, I have never liked Florida. I've never liked any part of Florida. Um, and, and it had to have been God. And then secondly, after I heard the, the voice of the Holy Spirit, I called my wife and I began to speak to her about what I heard the Lord say. And uh, it was interesting because after she left Florida, she said, I'll never go back to Florida again. I mean, I'm just, it's just not, I'm not into it. And so God literally had to change both of our hearts to obey what he called us to do. And when you study that verse of scripture in the Bible that says God will give you the desires of your heart, everybody always thinks that that means that whatever you desire in your heart, God will grant that wish to you. I personally believe it means something different. I believe that it means that God gives you the desires of your heart. I believe that he's the one that actually puts the desires in your heart and then allows you to fulfill what he has governed you to desire because he's the one. I had no desire to move to Florida. My wife had no desire to move to Florida, but God then placed those desires in prayer into our lives. And you know, it wasn't long after that, that we had uh, rented our house uh, in Virginia out and we moved packed up the truck and moved down to South Florida. But it was interesting after I heard the Lord give me that word in the in the car, because understand many times God won't just give you a word. He will also give you confirmation. Well, this was in the fall of 2015. I called my friend Sean Thomas up, who is uh, Bishop Rick Thomas's son there in uh, Fort Lauderdale area uh, in Margate, Coral Springs, Florida. Uh, which is the church we now attend, Abundant Life Church. And uh, I called my friend Sean. I said, hey, man, what are you doing? He said, well, we just got out of the planning meeting for uh, what they call the word of the Lord uh, for the new year, 2016, which is the New Year's Eve service where Bishop Rick will announce the theme for the year and what God is saying or the word of the Lord for the year. I said, well, that's interesting. I said, what did... uh, did he give you the theme? And he said, yeah, dad just gave us the theme for 2016 and we're developing it now. I said, well, that's interesting. What, what was the theme that's coming up for 2016? And I had to laugh because Sean said, well, this is what the Lord said. The the new theme is move 2016. And I just started laughing in the car because right after God had told me to make a move, he let me hear that confirmation that 2016 was a year to move, moving into the promises of God. And I'm telling you, it's always true that if you will seek out uh, answers and direction from the Holy Spirit, the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. As many as are the sons of God, they're led by the Spirit of God. And when God leads you, David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken and I've never seen his seed begging for bread. When you are being led by the spirit, let me tell you this, 
you'll never become a beggar. You'll never be in lack. You'll always be in the blessing of God when you obey the voice of God. So interesting and and important to understand that if you want the provision of God, then you've got to have the direction of God. And see, being led by the Spirit is, it's interesting. After asking all of those older men and women of God, what's the one thing they would tell the younger version of themselves? Almost all of them, I'd say 90 some percent said the same thing. I would tell them to pray, seek the face of God, and then only do what he uh, instructs you to do. And for those of you that are listening today, it's important for your life, for every aspect, depending on where you're going to go to college, what you're going to do for a career, what you're going to do, uh, you know, where you're going to buy a house, who you're going to marry, all of those things God is interested in. God is interested in your life. He has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. You've got to discover your purpose and do what he's called you to do. When you do, the blessings of God will flow. I want to pray for you quickly before we close the podcast today that God would open up the ears of your spirit and let you hear clearly. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every man and every woman that's listening to the podcast today, and I ask you to speak clearly. Give them a word of direction for their life. Lord, I pray that every decision they make, every life-altering decision would be something they would hear from you so that they would not wander through life uh, always looking for provision, always looking for peace and joy, but that they would hear clearly the voice of the Spirit and do what you've called them to do. And I thank you, Lord, that as we obey your instructions, that we will move into violent increase, that we'll have momentum like we've never known by the power of God. We thank you for that, Lord. We give you praise and glory today in Jesus' name. Let me remind you real quick before we sign off, the new book, Unhang Your Heart, is available and you can grab it today if you'll go to shop.miracleword.com. That's shop.miracleword.com and you can grab that new book, Unhang Your Harp, How Praise Opens the Door to Every Blessing that God's Afforded for Your Life. I love you guys. Don't forget until next week, goodness and mercy are following you for the rest of your life. See you next week. We would love for you to join us in a live service. To find out when Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. will be near you, please visit our website at www.miracleword.com. 